Last weekend, we had uh, something happened last weekend. What was that? Y'all remember that? Heart for the harvest. That's right. That's right. Well, let's just see how sacrificial and how much faith. Let's see how we did. Come on. Let's, let's see what's up with that. In the Tennessee that God sees and faith promise, visioning for the future, what did we do? 100,000, 300,000, 500,000, 750, 8, 9, 1 million, 1, 2, 3, 1. 1.5, 1.6, Wow. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Wow. Now, don't tweet it, don't Snapchat it, don't Instagram it. Let the next services get your experience it like you did. Can you imagine what a weekend? What almost 1.9 million. Now, listen, if it bothers some of you that we didn't make 200, 2 million and you want to give a million 10, <laughs> we'll take it. So what a, what a great, man, unbelievable, so exciting. It's just, it is so, it's so awesome. So way to go, man. Praise God. We will be launching the two GBBs, and we're looking at three other locations. And my, I believe that 2017, and this right here is a huge start on 2017, on seeing the vision be a reality as we move closer to to 10,000 by 2020. So way to go. What a privilege to be your pastor. Uh, way to go. Now this weekend, I'm not bringing the word, uh, but we're not having any letdown. And I try to miss about a dozen or so weekends a year because I don't need to preach all the time. Although I love to preach and would love to do every weekend. Uh, we're, I'm not going to do it this weekend because I've done a bunch in a row. <clears throat> so I've asked our own pastor, Josh Whitehead, our executive pastor, and he has a big reason that we are where we at, his gifts, his talents, his friendship with me and accountability. I love him. He's one of the dearest people in the world. Come on. Let's welcome our own Josh Whitehead. Love you. Well, thank you guys, and I always want to start off by welcoming all of our campuses, whether you're worshiping at uh, Anderson, Campbell, Blunt, North, obviously uh, everyone here at our Pellissippi campus, but would you guys give a hand for the men who are worshiping at our God Behind Bars campus? I mean, guys, we believe in you. We love you. We're grateful that every week you come and worship God and study his word together. Thank you guys so much for being committed to, to Christ and growing in your relationship with him. Well, pastor mentioned we've just been through an incredible season and Heart for the Harvest really is an awesome time because Heart for the Harvest for me isn't about uh, the money that we give. It's actually the desire that we have for you to reach out and press into God. God, to listen to what he's saying and then to respond to him. And do you guys realize that last weekend was a faith milestone for many people at all of our campuses at Faith Promise? I mean, last weekend, some people for the first time did what God told them to do. That's an incredible 
act of faith, right? It's the opportunity that we get to respond to what God is saying. And because of that, things happen and these acts of faith continue on. And, and, and sometimes we don't put it together. We don't link it together so that you can understand. But do you realize that as we give and we provide ministry for God's kingdom through our church, this year over 700 people have been baptized. I mean, incredible. Yeah, give God a hand. I mean... Thousands upon thousands of kids and students and adults are discipled in small group. And you just heard it. Millions of dollars are invested in God's kingdom so that we can accomplish what he's calling us to and so that we can really be out on the front edge of everything that God wants us to do. And the real thing that sometimes we forget is how God works, not just in a moment, but God works throughout a period of time. And I think what we're experiencing today started back in January of this year. Do you guys remember? Can you think all the way back to January? We started off the year where Pastor Chris uh, did a book called Without. And we focused on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wasn't that an incredible season? I mean, we as a church, I've started thinking about this. We started with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's something about fasting that seems a little bit too good in our church. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we're fasting way too much. You know, I don't know. But anyway, no, it's an incredible season and an opportunity for us to respond to God. And, and so I want to talk this weekend about how you can know if you've grown in your faith this year. And I want to start off by hitting the panic button. Do you guys recognize that there are only five Fridays till Christmas? I mean, I'm excited and overwhelmed all at the same time, right? Six Fridays till the new year. I mean, in six Fridays, we will be beginning a new year. And I want you to personalize the message just for a minute. I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. I want you to ask yourself, what acts of faith have I taken this year? Steps of faith have I taken this year? How have I grown in my faith relationship with God this year? Now, you guys, I don't know, let, I want to spend some time talking about these measures and gauges that we use. And I brought some of them along, just a few small ones this weekend. But, you know, I don't know about you guys, but my family uh, isn't the most gifted family when it comes to building things. But there's a phrase that people use when they talk about building something. I want you to help me with this at every location. Measure twice, cut once. My dad, when I was a freshman in college, he went out and he bought all of the supplies to put chair, rail, and crown molding up in my parents' house. He bought a miter saw and uh, another kind of saw, and that's all I know about saws, candidly. Um, but he had two of them. I remember that. And we would go in and we would literally measure uh, down and we would, we would measure twice. We did exactly what you're supposed to do. We would run outside. We'd get the saw. We'd make the cut. We'd run back inside. We'd slide it. You know, you're putting it in and you, you slide it over and you realize it's short. And I don't know about you guys, it never worked. Measure twice, cut once, that doesn't work in the Whitehead family home. You know, I mean, it just doesn't happen. And we would literally, I remember this, thinking we would take those pieces of wood, we'd set them to the side, hoping that we could cut them again on a wall that was a little bit shorter. You know what I'm saying? Like we would, we'd put them over, we had this collection, this pile of wood that we were using uh, to hopefully use again. 
But you know, something we don't do, and I think you guys will recognize this, we don't measure twice and wait, do we? No. We measure and we act. When we measure something, we respond to it. When we measure something, we act because of the information that we receive. And we have all of these different devices that we use to measure. I bought this one a while ago. This is a, a tire pressure gauge. Someone gave me uh, this tire pressure gauge. It's actually the digital one. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's a lot better for me. I can't even get the little thing to come out on this one. I've tried every service this anyway, so that's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, you know what drives me crazy? Fitbits. Who's got a Fitbit at every campus? You got a Fitbit out there? Oh, you're keeping up with every step you take every day, aren't you? You know, shouldn't we all just yell out how many steps we've taken today? Don't you think, all right, forget it, figure it out. One, two, no, we're not going to do that because we'd be crazy if we did. And we'd honor the people who are keeping up with that so closely, right? It's, it, we are just so focused on measuring things. And I want you to see this. I think this thought is going to drive us this weekend. We measure what matters to us so that we can see progress. Why don't we just guess at the answer? If I said, how are you doing spiritually? Why don't we just guess at the answer? If I said, how many steps have you taken today? Have you ever noticed you always think you've taken more steps than you actually have? Have you ever noticed when you get on the scale, you always think you're going to weigh less than you actually do? Is that something that only happens at my house? Come on, anybody a witness for that out there? Yeah, why? Because our feelings mislead us. Our feelings mislead us. So we have to measure our faith in the same way as we measure all of these other things so we can see if we're growing and taking steps in our relationship with God. And surrounding our 2016 theme verse, there are some gauges. There are some people that God actually gave us so that we can use their story to measure the faith that we have. And the book of Hebrews captures that in Hebrews chapter 11. And it was actually written to people similar to us. They were Jewish. Christians, but they were in a different place than we find ourselves today because they were facing some incredible persecution. And I think the writer of Hebrews actually wrote Hebrews chapter 11 to inspire them in their faith. I mean, if you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, don't feel bad about it. Go home today, pull out your phone or your iPad or whatever you use to read the Bible and read it. It will inspire you and your relationship with God. But the, the gauges that he gave us surround the verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. That's been our theme verse. So let me read this to you really quickly. It'll be up on the screen as well. If you have your Bible, you can follow along as well. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says to us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what was seen, what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Then our theme verse for this year. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews starts off by telling us something, and, and, and it'll really help us as we try to understand uh, our faith today. Our confidence in a gauge dictates our response to it. Now, remember the scale, the thought of the scale you get on? When you step onto it, you respond in one of two ways, right? You either respond, you look down, you see what it says, you think, I've got to change something. Or you do what I think some of you have likely done, which is you pick it up, you go out in the backyard, you throw it as hard as you can, right? And think, that thing's broken. We've got to get another scale in this house so that we can, you know, so that we can get a real measure of where we are. No, you don't do that. You make a decision to respond to the reading, and you make a decision whether you do what you know you should or not. Because after we measure, we must respond to the reading. I like what one author said, if your faith doesn't reshape your life, it's not true faith at all. But when most of us, most of us think about faith, we think about something that like is out there. Have you ever thought about that? Like if you think about coming to faith, that's a relationship with Jesus. But then past that, faith is out there. You know, it's something you can't see it. It doesn't make sense. It's almost like the unknown. It's, it's the Star Wars of the Bible or something. You know what I'm saying? It's just out there somewhere. But the Bible actually tells us something different about faith. You see, faith doesn't lead to a lack of certainty. If you go back and look in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, it actually says that faith leads to the conviction of things not seen. The word conviction can be translated as the proof of things not seen. Faith doesn't lead to uncertainty. Faith at its core has a massive sense of certainty. Now, go back to the scale. When I get onto it and it doesn't say what I want it to say and I step back off, what do I have to do? I have to respond to it. So I either have to start eating healthier. I have to start eating less. I have to start counting my calories. I have to start working out more. The same thing is true from the scale that's true about God. God gave us the Bible and the Holy Spirit as a tool that we can use to measure our life and our faith. The Bible tells us how to direct our life. The Holy Spirit impresses us or convicts us in our life so that we can have the same response. If I'm not growing in my relationship with God, then I can use the Bible and the Holy Spirit can work in my life to change me so that, and to show me how to change so that I can move and accomplish what God wants to do in my life. You see, true faith, think about this, true faith is measured by the effect of its presence. True faith is measured by the effect of its presence. If I ask you this weekend, if I went to the Anderson campus and said, hey, do you have faith? What would most people say? Of course. If I were to ask everyone here, hey, do you have faith? Of course I have faith, right? Everyone would say, yes, I have faith. But what if we actually begin to focus in and evaluate your faith? What would we find? right? Would it be an active faith? Because true biblical faith is always something you live out. 
True biblical faith is always something you live out. James 2 says faith without works is dead. Faith is something that you live out. Now look back at verse 3. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, God helps us understand faith. The writer of Hebrews tells us that God made everything, this world around us, out of nothing. He just spoke and it came to be. Now that's an answer for some of you you may have been looking for, but I want you to, to think about this thought. The act of faith, though often invisible, produces visible effects or outcomes. You see, faith isn't just out there. It's not something that just exists. Faith is an active part of our life that creates certainty within us. And I was praying through and thinking, how can I help you understand this? How can I understand this better? And something happened in our house, and some of you know this story. But years ago, uh, Kim and I got married, and a year into that, uh, we actually decided to move to Knoxville, Tennessee, to be on staff at Faith Promise. It was an incredible season, and we were newly married, young. And at a certain point, I think many of you have probably recognized this as well, that you, have to you make this decision, you're like, maybe we should have a family. I don't know what happens in young people that we think that, right? I mean, I don't know, but maybe we were thinking, we, okay, so let's do that. Let's have a family. Well, time went on. We realized we weren't having a family. And Kim went to the doctor and we realized that we uh, were struggling through an issue that many of you are probably have struggled through or maybe are currently struggling through called infertility. And we went through this whole battery of tests and all of these different things. I have to tell you the story. It's amazing some of the things that God did. But, uh, you know, we were super blessed we received something that some of you are hoping that God would do today because our son Hayden uh, is 11 years old and God answered an incredible prayer around that. Well, when you have kids, then no one tells you this, but it creates other uh, challenges in your life. It, it creates other pressure. So the first year, you know, he was just, uh, you know, kind of laying there at Christmas time. But the second year, like the video, you know, we're like, hey, we got to start some traditions for this guy. You know, we got to do something to, to let him know that we're great parents. And so Kim went out one day and bought uh, these uh, stocking hangers that you put on the mantle. You guys may have them, but uh, she went out and she bought the word J-O-Y, joy. There were three of us and we had stockings to hang on them. She put them up there. It was this time of year and she was looking at them. And, and, um, and so the reason she bought joy was because the doctors had said that we would never have another kid without fertility treatments. And she said, hey, I don't want to go through that again. And we said, God gave us one kid. Thank the Lord. That's what he had for us. Thank you, God. You're, you're so great. Well, that Friday of that week, a weird thing happened. Not weird in this sense. She actually was going to go out shopping and ask me to stay at home with Hayden. Uh, that's a pretty normal thing, right? For moms, like, let me get out of here away from this. And uh, she said, I've got to make some returns, which I personally love. I don't know if you guys uh, out there experience this, but at my house, I have a personal shopper. Kim goes out and buys stuff. She brings it home. I tell her what I like. She takes it back. It's a great relationship that we have. <laughs> I don't have to shop. But she goes out. She comes back that day and she says, hey, I did something different. And I was like, okay, what did you do? And she pulls out and she, she had taken down the stuff that was on uh, above on the mantle there. And she put up N-O-E-L, Noel. And she said, the other day when I put joy up, I felt like God spoke to me and said, hey, maybe I'm not done and I wanna be ready just in case he's not. Wow. You see, it was invisible. God spoke to her, 
But then she represented it with the visible. And look at this. This is so amazing. Look, this is our daughter, Madison. She was the L in Noel that we never thought that we would have. Because one day, without any fertility treatments and doctors not being right, Kim found out that she was pregnant. And if you could see this really closely, the font on her stocking is a little different than the rest because it was done much later uh, than the first three were. You see, it's the invisible of what God says into you that then you can begin to believe and you can have a certainty and a proof and then you can see it lived out right before your eyes. Faith is about how we respond to God and what we believe about what God is saying to us. It's not just about what you believe. Faith is about the way, look at this, the way you respond and live because of what you believe. So let's look at three, uh, three men really quickly that God gives us in Hebrews chapter 11. They're the gauges that, some of the gauges that we can use in scripture to help us understand our relationship with God and whether we're growing in our faith. And the first one uh, that I want you to see is a guy named Abel. And I want you to learn this thought and measure this thought. The weight of our worship, the weight of our worship, because in Abel's life, we learn something really interesting. We learn that active faith redirects and recaptures the worship of your heart. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says this, By faith, Abel offered. Now, the word offer literally means that he worshiped God. It was talking about what he did to worship in his relationship with God. And don't miss this. Without faith, worship's weight is off. Without faith, worship's weight is off. In Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve were there, and there were two sons, the first two brothers of the Bible, Cain and Abel. And at this point, uh, we're seeing lived out in Hebrews chapter 11, a reminder from Genesis chapter 4 that these two brothers one day were going to give an offering. They were going to worship God. And God accepted one of the offerings and he rejected the others. And you may have thought, why would God do that? Why would God accept one? Why would he reject the other one? Well, I think there's a reason for it. I think it's really simple. God had set a standard for offerings, right? God had said, this is what, what I want you to do and how I want you to respond to me and worship. He set a standard to God. But Cain chose not to follow the standard that God had set. Literally, Cain brought a sacrifice without the faith and trust in God's design for what God has said. Now, before you think about Cain and think, well, why would he do that? Take a second, look at yourself and think, think and ask yourself this question. I think it's important. Has God ever told you to do something and you didn't respond in the way that he told you to do it? All of us have been in the same place that Cain was. All of us have been in this place where we haven't done what God told us to do. And in doing this, his sacrifice didn't measure up. But his brother, Abel, brought a sacrifice as well. And the sacrifice that he brought actually fit the standard. Now, Abel wasn't the standard for worship, but he was obedient and his, his offering was accepted because God was the standard, but he did things God's way. Now, think about this. Faithful worship is about doing things God's way over my own way or my way. You see, you can't worship God 
on your own terms. Now, think, think about it this way, because this is hard for us. Because in America, we love to be Americans, don't we? Are y'all the only service that doesn't love to be Americans? We love to be Americans, don't we? Come on. I mean, help the preacher out a little bit. I know it's not pastor. Help me out here. We love to be Americans, right? We love it so much. That's right. We love it so much that the rest of the world almost does the metric system of measuring. But what do we do? The imperial system. What do we say? Man, we love acres and gallons and pounds and miles, right? I mean, we love that. Why? It just sounds better to us. If you have traveled outside of the U.S., man, I sit there and look at the signs and I got to get my phone out and try to figure out the distance. You know, man, it's, it's totally different. Now, think about this because we love to be different. We love it our own way. 453 grams equals one pound. Now, look at this. This is how much we love it our way. We say quarter pounder. Why? Because it sounds tiny, 0.25. Rather than saying 100 grammar of fat and cheese and terrible things that are going to clog my arteries, right? I mean, can you imagine pulling up today and ordering the 100 grammar? I'd like the 100 grammar. I'd be like the nuts back who's ordering the wrong way, right? We love it our way. But even though we love it our way, you see, it doesn't matter whether you use a different system. Even though you change the thought of the weight, the outcome is still the same. And the same is true for God. Believing, God. believing in God isn't enough to please him. You have to have an active faith, right? Cain's sacrifice, his worship didn't make the way. Not because Abel's was better, but because Abel's was truer to what God had said. And it even goes on to tell us in Hebrews 11, verse 4, that, his, that Abel is a living voice for us. He's the benchmark of obedience and faith, but not Cain. Cain was miscalibrated. You know what? I think if both those guys were standing here, it would be like our church people series. We'd think, what's wrong? Both of them brought a sacrifice. Both of them worshiped God, right? But one of them worshiped God the way that God said to and one of them worshiped God in a way that God didn't say. You see, a wrong measurement follows a wrong reading and ultimately a wrong response. If you have a bad scale, you make bad decisions. And if you're trying to live on your own standard or your own way, you're making bad decisions. And so my question for you this weekend, the first thing I want you to ask yourself is this, where are you still trying to worship God? on your own terms. The second thing is this, the length of our obedience. The length of our obedience. There's a guy in the Bible in Genesis chapter five, uh, whose name is Enoch. And Enoch should have had a Fitbit because all the Bible says about him is he walked with God. That guy had some miles put on his wrist every day. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he would have been, he, he missed his time. And have you ever noticed that when you're the you've walked the closest to God, you've been the most obedient to him. And at the same time, when you've walked in a time where you'd say, man, I haven't really walked with God the way that I should have, you've been less obedient. You see, faith produces in you a heart of obedience and a reward of righteousness. Now, Genesis 5 tells us that Enoch walked with God, like I was saying. And, and this is the thought, I think, that speaks to us uh, in this, that helps us. It'll give you a takeaway to, to process through this. Because in Enoch, we see this, that faith is a walk 
measured in feet. Our feet following God. Our feet following his. You see, Enoch, because of the way he lived, lived, he rediscovered a fellowship that had ended. Adam and Eve had sinned and they were, they were exiled out of the garden. Do you remember that? But along came, comes a guy, along came a guy who says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor God. I'm going to walk with God. And, and Enoch begins to fellowship with God in such a way. He trusts him. And, and he, he really walks as if God is there. That one day he's walking along and he's gone. The Bible says that literally one day he took a step. And in the next moment he walked from this life in this world into the presence of God in heaven. And I think it's in this moment you hear that and you think, well, how in the world could that ever happen? And you know what, if God was that real to me, then I would do what God said. Or, you know, you, you think, man, you know, I, I mean, I just don't know that, that God really speaks to me in a way like that. And I want you to see uh, something in his life that really is significant. I want you to see, because at that moment, the writer inserts our theme verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? He, he's, he literally, the writer is helping us to understand, hey, hey, you know what? God is this God. He can do all of these things in your life. And, and I wanted to figure out a way to explain it to you. How, how can I help you understand the, the type of faith that God wants you to have? And it hit me. At every campus this weekend, there's three types of people. And it's all measured by one gauge that's in your car, okay? Can you guys respond this weekend? Every location, I need a response here, all right? How many of you, when your fuel gauge gets down to about a half a tank or a little past a half, you start thinking about filling up? I need to fill up. How many? Raise it up. It's okay. Be proud, right? How many of you are quarter to eighth tankers? How many of you out there, when it gets to a quarter, you're like, I got to fill up? How many of you are like me? When the fuel light comes on, you're like, let's go. Now is showtime. I'm looking at the mileage. I was terrible at math in high school and college, but you know what I'm doing? I'm calculating like a NASA scientist to figure out how far can I go. There's times we've been on vacation, I put my family's life in danger just to see how far that I could get. We pull off to get gas. That fuel light's been on. Kim will say, hey, is there a gas station up ahead? I don't know. Let's go, baby. You know, we get there. We pull off. I start filling up five gallons, 10 gallons, 15 gallons, 16, 17. It starts running the decimal point after 17. I'm slapping the window with my hand. Look at this. Look what we've done. I got in the car one time. This is a true story. I got in the car one time, I'm like, get the, get the manual out and find out how many gallons this new car has. I'm not, we might have set a record for how far we went and how much we had to put back in this car. You see, faith, look at this, is the willingness to go the complete distance to remain in fellowship with the Father. Faith is the willingness to go the complete distance to remain in fellowship with the Father. What about this year? Would you say, hey, I've gone the distance. Man, I have done everything. I've completed this course, this task. Or would you define this year as a time where you've been wandering away from God and what he's leading you to, the length of your obedience? The last one, the depth of your trust in his calling. The depth of your trust in his calling. 
Now, I know at each of our campuses, there, there are some of you who, man, you're new to faith. Maybe you haven't read the Bible as much as some other people have, but I would just encourage you, man, the Bible is amazing. And it blows me away how many faith moments happened around water. You've got this person, Noah and the flood. You've got Moses and the Red Sea. You've got Jonah in the belly of a fish. You've got Peter in a stormy sea. You can go back and look each of those up. And we find in the life of Noah this, that faith requires deep trust to answer God's calling. You see, Noah lived in a time recorded for us in Genesis chapter 6 when the world was drowning before the floodwaters came. You see, sin had begun to build up and build up and build up. And God had to make the most difficult decision that he ever made when he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. God didn't even see a redemptive potential in the world at that moment. But he saw one person, Noah. And God said, I'm going to start over and use this one man to accomplish my purpose for the world. You see, true faith floats above the depths of doubts. Noah lived in a time where no one was following God. No one was doing what God said. But he found favor from God. He didn't pick and choose what God said. He trusted everything that God said. His faith was profound because he was willing to do something that no one else did. He went out living in an area that wasn't even by water and he goes in the middle and he begins to cut down trees to build an ark that was the size literally of a cruise ship. Can you imagine how crazy everyone thought he was? What in the world is he thinking? Why would he build something like this? But look at this. One of the greatest acts of faith in human history was Noah cutting down the first gopher wood tree to begin building the ark. It looked impossible. It seemed absurd. He had to think, you want me to build a boat, God? God said, yeah. And instead of saying, that can't be what God said, instead of filling that void with doubt, Noah said, God, you hadn't let me down to this point. I'm going to keep walking with you. And he filled that gap with trust and devotion. And here's something I want you to walk away with. Because I think we underestimate this thought. One single act of faith has the potential to change everything. One single act of faith has the potential to change everything. You see, Noah, it was great. He built an ark. Wasn't it amazing? No, his faith changed the potential for his family because even here in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that, that not only did it change his life, but his faith changed things for his entire family. So let's finish out. We're coming to the end of this year of faith. How do we respond? I want to ask you some questions. I want you to just diagnose. I want you to measure your life. What was your greatest moment of faith in 2016? Listen, your greatest moment of faith this year may have been the step you took to know him. It may have been baptism. It, it doesn't have to be taking a trip to Africa to, to, to do work there. But did you have a gopher wood moment? Was there a point where God asked you to do something and you did it? You responded to him in such an amazing way. 
But here's what I also want you to recognize. Because for some of you, you're saying right now, I didn't. I didn't. And what I want to say to you is this, that God knows right where you are and he sees the potential of your life. And even though he wants you to be in a different place than maybe where you are today, God's never wanted more to restore you and push you to the reality of the future that he's called you to in your life. And so I just wanted every campus, if you would, in this moment, would you just bow your head? Would you close your eyes? And I'm going to ask you to respond because I want to pray for you. And I just want us to take a minute. Would you would you just respond to one of these three statements if it, if it fits you? And you can put your hand back down after it. Are you still trying to worship God on your own terms? Who would say, I'm still trying to worship God on my own terms? Thank you, guys. Thanks for being honest. Would you say, man, I'm struggling to obey God in an area where he has clearly spoken in my life? Who would say that? Yeah, that's right. And the last one, are you resisting God's call? in an area of your life where he's been calling you? Who's, been, who's heard the voice of God call them to something and they haven't done it? You haven't responded yet. Yeah. Father, in this moment, I pray that every person who raised their hand would recognize that you're not a God running from them. You're a God running to them. And that you want them to trust you in a way that will revolutionize their life of faith. God, you want them to believe that what you have is better than anything they could achieve on their own. And so I'm praying this weekend that you would encourage the body of Christ. God, as we have measured our life, God, you're not surprised. But what you are is filled with hope for what the future could hold if we'll fully give it all over to you. Move in this moment. Give us eyes to see different. Give us eyes of faith to see the future, what you have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You know, it's so amazing how God moves and works. And I pray that you truly would walk away, that you would take these measures, that you'd really identify where you are, that you would go to God and say, God, I want to give it all to you. Because you know what? This year may be coming to a close, but your time on earth isn't done as long as you're here. You've got next year to go. Man, we love you guys so much. We believe in you. We want you to grow in your faith like you never have before. Would you have an awesome week? Be blessed. Eat as much food as you can on Thanksgiving. Don't get on the scale on Friday. Be blessed. We'll see you next weekend. Love you.